we've got to look at, at what life is going to be like once this is done. This is this is a massive blip in the road for everyone. I mean, honestly, if you ask me, would I intentionally have chosen to open a restaurant uh, this time last year, knowing what I know now? Probably not. Today on Dirty Linen, uh, well, I confess that I am reeling just a little bit with the news of another lockdown extension. I guess it wasn't completely unexpected for us here in Melbourne. Uh, and hospitality has been particularly called out, mostly for doing the right thing, but in some cases for turning takeaway into street parties, pub crawls, and things that do look suspiciously like gatherings. Very fun, not very COVID safe. Uh, today, we are chatting to Duncan Fraser-Smith. He is the owner of one of Melbourne's many brave restaurants that has opened during this pandemic period. Duncan, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, well, t- tell me about what happened. Like, what was the uh, the story to opening up Vespa in South Yarra? Well, Danny, it, it, it kind of all started at, the, I guess, the beginning of the pandemic uh, in March of last year, I was actually out here in Australia. I've been living in Dubai for the last 12 years and and was out to watch the Formula One. And uh, obviously that all got cancelled fairly abruptly. And then I started getting a, a range of phone calls from the restaurants that I oversaw back in the UAE and jumped on a plane and went back. And I uh, was there for a few months under heavy lockdown, um, obviously going through quite a few challenges in Dubai and realised that my family was here, my wife was here, and I better probably get on a repatriation flight out to Australia, let everything calm down and uh, and see where, where the world was going to head. So I did that in uh, at the end of May and landed straight into hotel quarantine. And by about day four, I realised that this was going to be a much longer stay out here than I'd initially anticipated. And so I started looking for business opportunities. I thought I've been in the consulting game overseas for many, many years and I thought if that was something that I wanted to do out here in Australia, ultimately, in order to create, you know, solid cre- credibility, I wanted to have a restaurant bricks and mortar underneath me to show people out here that, you know, I'm putting my, I guess, money where my mouth is um, from a uh, an operator as well as a consultant's perspective. So I was I was sitting in a hotel and uh, and saw this fantastic location in Turak Road come up and I uh, said to my wife, can you go and have a look at it? Because obviously I couldn't. And pretty much the day I got out of hotel quarantine, we uh, we signed the lease. And the journey for Vespa really came about from the fact that we love travel. I mean, travel is something that we've done. Obviously, being based in the Middle East for so many years, we used to travel to Europe and the Mediterranean quite regularly. And and we wanted to create a venue and a restaurant that that basically brought that feeling of uh, of dining in the Mediterranean islands, which is where we'd holiday. Uh, and have that experience out here. And that was kind of where Be- Vespa was born. I mean, the trip to a trip to the Mediterranean sounds incredibly seductive right now when it uh, also seems very distant. Uh, what do you do to try to create that sense of place uh, on the other side of the world? Well, I, th- I think the secret here, one of, one of the principles that sort of stands behind Vespa is it is, it's, it's a, it's a, community hub restaurant. It really is a, a place for people to come and connect. The menu itself is, uh, we're very fortunate. Our head chef, Francesco Castellana, has got a fantastic resume, for including sort of stints of Vieux de Monde all the way to Per Se, 
uh, with Thomas Keller in New York. And uh, when we met him and sat down with him, wanted to look at what the food journey was going to be like, we didn't want to compete directly with, you know, the Italian restaurants and the French restaurants that are already so heavily present here in this part of town. We wanted to carve out a niche, and that niche for us was the Aegean. That was the, the islands of Mykonos and, and Santorini and Corsica and, you know, stretching as far out towards, you know, uh, Ibiza and Mallorca and Madeira and Portugal. Um, and that was where the essence of the food, um, the celebration of the food, I should say, kind of started and, and was developed. And when you come to Vespa, it is, you know, it's a, it's a lovely experience. I mean, it's a magnificent experience, but it, it feels like it has a soul. The restaurant has a soul to it. And that's one of the key things when people go out and celebrate and dine. You know, you want to feel like you've got an, had an emotional connection with the venue and especially with the people that are in the venue. And that, that to me, is something that has always been hugely um, critical in opening restaurants is to create that and have that 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 connection, that one-on-one connection. So it really is, as we call it, you're taking your palate on vacation when you come to Vespa. I mean, that sounds... That sounds great, but I'm wondering how do you manage to do that with a new restaurant uh, coming in and out of lockdowns? <laughs> well, I think based on the news that we just got today, when we do reopen, it will be our fifth opening in seven months. Wow. Which is, I think that's got to go, be a record somewhere. Um, and, yeah, the challenge for us, obviously, is, the, you know, the, the mobilisation, the, the lockdown, then create momentum, then remobilise. But I have to say, what, what, what has absolutely um, blown me away is the community support when we, when we are open. We had an amazing start when we opened in, in February. I mean, we opened in February and we were shut down a week later for our first lockdown in February this year. So we've, got, we've had a lot of practice doing this. But our, our repeat clientele, our guests that, that come week after week after week, to have that experience, to taste that food, to, to you know, we take them on, jo- on a journey. You know, when we're developing new menu items, we, we let the regulars try them before they go on the menu, giving us their feedback on the direction that we're going in. That's the whole idea of, of being, you know, a community-focused and a, and a, and a local-focused focused outlet. But, you know, we, we, we had a full Friday and a full Saturday before we went into into lockdown six and, and you know, watching those cancellations come through and those people having to then rebook into last Saturday, which is what a lot of them did, and then watching them cancel out. We've got a great loyal following. I think what we really want to see now is a couple of months of consistent momentum building and that will help, you know, help to, to, to keep, it, keep, not keep us going. But we, uh, we have a great base and I think what we want to do is keep telling the story, keep bringing new people in, but also still looking after the regulars that that have been coming through. I mean, Duncan, you sound really energetic and really positive and future-focused, which I think is amazing and testament to your fortitude and resilience in these circumstances. I know that a lot of people listening to this will be feeling pretty deflated and will be finding it hard to muster up the energy to do whatever it is that they think they need to do to get through this lockdown extension or, you know, they might be listening in other parts of Australia which are going through their own difficult journeys. I mean, tell me Tell me about your attitude, your outlook. Like, um, how do you keep future focused and positive? I think once again, once again, being a new restaurant, there's been just an overwhelming 
run of ideas as to what we wanted to do and where we want to position ourselves. And, you know, yes, lockdowns are frustrating. They are immensely frustrating. But at, we know at some point in time we are going to open the doors again. And the question is, what are we going to do when we do open the doors that's going to keep us ahead of the, uh, the, the market, going to keep us on the cutting edge of, of what we're doing and still providing that, that, uh, that uh, value back to the guests that are coming in. So the thing that I, that I look towards, I mean, and we look towards, it's, it's interesting. We were actually talking about this, my wife, Marlene and I last night, is you can, you can have an approach that goes, I'm not even going to think about what I'm doing in a month's time because this is all terrible and, and a disaster. Or you can live into what you could be doing in a month's time and actually get excited about it. Yes, it might get cancelled or it might get postponed. But the point is that you've had a month's enjoyment focusing on it. So we're looking at a, at a series of Sunday lunches that we're going to launch towards the end of this year once a month. And we're basically doing a Sunday lunch in the restaurant. The first one was going to be for Father's Day and it's Greek. So we're taking the Greek islands and doing a lunch themed on that. We're then going to Portugal in October and then in November we're doing uh, Sicily. And it literally, we, we, you know, even the guys, the team, Everyone's getting into the excitement. The chefs are looking at what sort of dishes they can source from those particular areas because you have to. It's sitting back and, and, and just brooding over where we're at. If I could change it, I would, but unfortunately we can't. So you've got to keep moving forward. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, you're right. It will be over eventually. We will look back on this as something that we navigated and, and, and got through to whatever extent each individual and individual business was able to. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's really interesting that you, because so many people find that when they're looking forward to something, the payoff is in <laughs> the execution, not just the anticipation. But it's really interesting you find an, so much joy in the anticipation as well. Well, and I think, you know, in, in this particular field, you know, we, we've got an amazing, you know, team. And these guys want, they, they live this restaurant the same, the same that Marlene and I do. And so what, when they're sitting at home, you know, they want to be engaged. They want to, they want to do something. We last uh, Friday, we did a, a Zoom team call with all the staff, everyone from our from our kitchen hands through to to myself, and everyone was on for two hours. And we 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 did a blind wine tasting, um, and got everyone engaged. And it was fantastic to see how engaged and interactive they were. No one said, "No, I'm not going to come on board." No one said, "I'm not going to be there." They all wanted to learn. Um, our restaurant manager, Val Valeria, she chose a particular region and we went through and we did this blind wine tasting and it was absolutely phenomenal. And so as a result of that, we then took the, the idea of the Portuguese uh, Sunday lunch and the chefs are now researching over the last five days what dishes are going to go into that. And when we do another Zoom call on Tuesday, they're going to feed back to us and my wife, who is Portuguese, is going to judge which dishes are the best ones to go on. So you've got to find ways that still contribute to what your business is going to do when you reopen the doors. But there's also an opportunity here to work on the business rather than in the business. And that, that goes across the board for, for everyone. Hmm, interesting. So, I mean, as, as part as your as a consultant for hospitality, I know you worked on a lot of hotel projects and mm. big restaurants. Uh, this is Vespa's a, a neighbourhood restaurant. What's what can you sort of bring from one arena to the other? I think I think the, the great thing 
from having done all of that work over many years is the efficiencies that you bring in. Uh, big hotel operations have a, have a lot of different elements and different arms to it, but the business still needs to be profitable. Uh, the restaurants still need to make money. And you learn a lot of efficiencies in, in those big, big elements that you can actually implement and bring into play here. But I think, you know, there are, there are three key characteristics that I've used as kind of a benchmark over, over the years to, to set up restaurants for success. And, and, you know, the three pillars are you've got to create a restaurant that's relevant. You've got to create a restaurant that's authentic. So don't chop and change your idea. If you've got an idea and you've done the market research and you know what you want to do, stick to it. Uh, and then you've got to consistently deliver. Um, and once again, just using those three pillars underlined with that emotional connection, which is kind of the framework that it sits on, that's where you get you get to have great experiences when dining out. Now, the great thing about Vespa is it is an intimate space. You know, uh, hotel restaurants, you know, well, I mean, I think you had Greg on a couple of weeks ago. Greg and I did a restaurant over in Dubai for, for some owners and, and Greg and I came on board to do that. It was it was challenging to say the least it was 18,000 square feet um, and it was a huge restaurant to to uh, to undertake and we had a lot of challenges along the way but when you're dealing in an intimate space of 80 seats where you as the owner can talk to the customers get the feedback um, engage with them know them they become friends and family rather than just guests that that's one of the huge takeaways from mass hotel dining and big restaurants to the smaller, more local market is that, you know, it is a family, it is a, it is a community and you get to, to nuance the outlet a lot more easier than you do in the big spaces. Mm. Um, so Greg Malouf's in Melbourne at the moment in hotel quarantine. Have you been keeping up with his Instagram? <laughs> I have. I love the cheese. I thought the cheese was the best thing. I actually called him the night that came out and I said to him, I said, hey, this is that, that's just classic. Yeah, so to any, anyone who hasn't looked at it, please have a look at Greg Malouf's Instagram. So he's hung Labner, made Labner by hanging it in the shower um, and he's he made a mankush like a sort of flatbread with an iron. Um, I just think, like, awesome. That's so good. But you know what? I'm super worried that, uh, well, I'm worried. You're probably anticipating and hopeful that he's still able to do these events uh, that are planned at O'Connell's in September. Well, we, uh, yes. I mean, the, the, Greg and I have been talking about him coming back to Australia, coming coming back out to Australia for a while. And and I mean, I'm super hopeful that these events can can go off. I think the dinners are going to be phenomenal. And when I was talking to him the other day on the phone, you know, he 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 doesn't do these out of out of a out of a need he does them because he wants to and the story of him and o'connell's and you know and, and his days at momo and that, i mean it, it's just lovely he's such a fantastic export to us for australians overseas um and it's hilarious we were we were talking when we were opening uh, the restaurant that we did in dubai was called clay and it was kind of it was greg maloof's food in an 18,000 square foot venue with cirque du soleil performing every night oh my so, god typical dubai right <laughs> Typical Dubai, um, but obviously when I came on board, the owners had hired Greg and he he was on board. They'd signed Cirque du Soleil. They'd taken the 10-year lease on the space and then they went, Duncan, now make it all work. Bring it all together, make it work. And that was challenging. But um, he, he is the only person I know that, that can go to the Middle East and actually teach how to cook Middle Eastern cuisine. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. 
Um, and anyone listening to this chat who hasn't caught up with my chat with Greg Maloof uh, recently, please go back and have a listen to that podcast. It was um, He's just a very special person. So, Duncan, tell us a bit more about the Middle Eastern days. Like, did you, you were overseeing restaurants when the pandemic hit. What, what happened to those places? Well, that was, that was pretty disastrous. I mean, that was a very emotionally challenging time. So, as I said earlier, I, I flew back on, I think it was about the 17th of March last year. And over the period of, of I think it was five days, we shut everything down. Um, so that was 14 outlets. Um, we had a nightclub. We had a range of different venues and 400 staff. And the thing was with, with the situation as it was over there, you know, we, we couldn't obviously couldn't afford to keep paying. We had zero income coming in. Um, the government was, was looking at its, its support packages at that stage in the UAE. And so what happened was we obviously had the staff staying in our staff accommodation. Um, we were feeding them. We had, they had a roof over their heads but there were no repatriation flights to their countries. So they were sitting there, they were, you know, so we were sending them food, we were making sure that they were, that they were looked after, but we couldn't send any of them back because Dubai Airport basically shut down. Um, and so it was a very, very challenging time. I mean, the, the number of phone calls with people that were, that were you know, really, really struggling. Um, and fortunately, you know, I think it was about three months after, they slowly started to, bring businesses back online. We tried some some interesting things. I tried to do out of seven restaurants, I tried to combine them all into one kitchen and do delivery through uh, one of the uh, delivery partners. And we, so we took seven of our menus um, from seven restaurants, put, put all the menus into one kitchen. And so you could order from one location, but seven menus, which was new and different. Once again, we tried many different things, but I, I must say... I, I landed back here on that on that flight on the, I think it was the 27th of May, and I was I was a broken man. It was it was brutally difficult um, those first those first few months of last year. Mm. And I mean, so are you done now with the Middle East? I still consult, so I'm still. Well, I think the beautiful thing that we've we've learned is how consulting is is quite a uh, quite a global feature now and and we can definitely do uh do that so i do quite a bit of consulting with the middle east while i was there i actually the last one of the last things that i did in april 2019 was i created and opened the world's first master chef restaurant and so i'm now working with endemol shine in, in the uk the global um umbrella for master chef and we're looking at other locations around the world to roll that particular concept out so consulting remotely is working well um, but yeah, as far as my physical on the ground days in Dubai, I, th- I think they're a long way away. And t- tell me more about this MasterChef restaurant. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, it was it was something that had been sitting in my head for quite a few years, and and I needed to work out how best to to execute it. So it, it really came down to I was actually I think I was watching an episode of MasterChef in Austra- uh, uh, Australian MasterChef. When I, I, I first asked the question, surely there's a place somewhere in the world where you can actually go and eat the food of champions, because these dishes look phenomenal. Everyone gets them once again, as you understand, the emotional connection with 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 the contestants. And so I, I wrote it down on a on a post-it note and said to my, I need to follow this up and see see if there's one out there. Googled it, couldn't find anything. So then I reached out to Endemol. 
uh, and said, look, this is my idea. I'd like to do a, a restaurant that has the ethos and the essence of, of MasterChef from the UK, the US and the Australian productions with dishes that the champions basically created to win or, you know, their grandmother inspired them to cook on the day, this particular dish and a story behind each dish. And they were super keen um, to do it. So we, we found the right location to, to do it in Dubai. We did a road show. So we went to the UK. We did a round table with UK champions and wrote down as many recipes as we could. We then came out to Australia. We had Diana Chan. We had Mimi Barnes. We had Elena Dugan. They all came and did a, 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 a round table with us here in, uh, in Melbourne where we wrote down, got all of their recipes. The same in the US. We had uh, Sean O'Neill, who's a great, great mate of Gordon Ramsay's. He came and contributed as well, and then and then we kind of put the whole thing together. So it was it was literally trying to create you know the ethos and and the the concept of MasterChef in a dining environment, and to the point where we even came up with a mystery box, where uh, you as the guest actually pick the ingredients out of a box that the chef then has to cook a dish for. So, um, and that has been yeah, how fun, yeah. It's fun. It's enjoyable and it's fun. We did a couple of residencies. We had Diana come over um, for a week and do a residency. I had Elena come over and do a residency. We had Simon Wood from the UK come and do a residency. So they do a masterclass and then they do their own special uh, special menu. So the concept itself is nutted and it, and, it, and it works. And now, obviously, the pandemic kind of slowed the rollout of that down. But hopefully in, in the coming you know, years, we'll see, see them pop up in different locations around the globe. Have you got India on the radar for that? Hundred <laughs> percent. India is definitely on the radar. So I know MasterChef is so popular it's, there. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We had um, we had uh, one of their champions who actually was residing in Abu Dhabi at the time. Uh, she came in as well to do to do a residency. Now India is definitely on the. I mean Vegas wants to have one over there. That, that's just. I think it's unique. The great thing about it is it's not a gimmick. It actually is food driven. It's not, you know, lots of flames and television screens and it really is driven by the food. And I think, you know, again, that's one of that's one of the key ethoses. Again, when, when I go back to my three key points, which, you know, you don't waver from be relevant, be authentic and be consistent. And that's that's where you can write, you know, the recipe for success in this game. Yeah, I just find it so fascinating this balance that you've got between this little restaurant in, uh, you know, in Melbourne and these sort of global ambitions. It, it's yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, is Vespa does Vespa keep you anchored? Like, is that is that the idea, or is it? Can you try ideas out there that you think you might be able to roll out more broadly? Yeah, I, Vespa for me is is um, I actually, but to tell you a, a story from quite a long time ago, I. I did quite a lot of work with the Kingsley's Restaurant Group before I went overseas. Uh, Kingsley's um, has a, a, a steakhouse in Sydney and the owners who took that on, well, the idea was, you know, we had this great concept of a, of a steakhouse and we were getting all of these, um, what would I call them, like middle, middle tier accountants and lawyers and solicitors were coming and having a steak and a bottle of red wine for lunch and that was great. But what we weren't getting was we weren't getting the the partners, you know, the seniors. They were going to other places. So the idea with the owners and myself when we sort of talked about it was, well, we need a location where we can execute exactly the same food but maybe in a different environment. These were in the days when Restaurant 7 had just closed its doors on Bridge Street in Sydney. 
And so when that happened, we went in and looked at the space and vaulted ceilings and chandeliers and a big wine wall and a massive, massive um, ventilated canopy, uh, ventilated ceiling kitchen. And we just said, you know, let's bring Kingsley's to this location, um, exactly the same menu, exactly the same wine list, but see if we pick the partners up because now we're going to do long stem glassware and tablecloths and all of that. And it worked. And so I think that idea of taking the same concept and putting it into a different into a different place, um, but for attracting different people is 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 something that that makes restaurants very viable. So when designing Vespa and looking at this from the point of view of of what was it going to be, this it is it's a stunning restaurant. It's a great location, but the idea is that it is transportable. We're we're in talks with a uh, with wineries up in Millawa at the moment to come and do a a Vespa pop up. Uh, at the winery for a, a long lunch. Um, it's something that you could easily do, you know, Vespa light down in, uh, in, on the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, and even during lockdown four or five, we came up with Vespa street food. So we designed um, dishes that were completely not relevant to what we have on the menu here now, but using the ingredients that we had, we converted them into street food dishes. So uh, an octopus panini we had, we had... Um, we had a trout, um, a trout roll. We did um, beef short rib in uh, in uh, a hero, like a souvlaki, just to take once again the essence of what we're doing. But what are the other areas and elements that we can potentially play with going forward? So it's always under development. It's always a work in progress. Um, and yeah, for me, what I love about having this here, as I said at the, at the beginning of the chat. Is you know I wanted to be, I wanted to be relevant in the market, and I wanted to have the ability to say that yes, you know, for a restaurateur that's coming to me and asking potentially, they want to develop their property um, up in uh, the Yarra Valley, and we want to have a destination dining restaurant up there, Duncan. You know, and and can you you know tell us what you think we should do? I after having so many years of experience overseas, I wanted to have a place here in, in Australia, specifically here in Melbourne, where I can go, yes, because I've opened a restaurant during the pandemic. I know all of these steps that need to take place. It's trading. It's working. It's it's doing what it needs to do. You can read the reviews online. You can read the comments from, from people. And, yes, I'm the man that can come and support you to grow your business as well. And I think that in this environment and in this climate was, was super critical. Mm. Yeah, you can just have that broader perspective and to not be, I guess, feeling really penned in by the everyday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really interesting. Um, so, Duncan, you know, how are you feeling about this moment in uh, Melbourne and Australia's pandemic story? <laughs> uh, how long have you got, Danny? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got time. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, um, it is... I'd like to say that, you know, you, there's the old saying, you light at the end of the t- tunnel, just make sure it's not an oncoming train. And I think, you know, we're, we are doing it hard. It, it's, it's, it's compl- it is very challenging, you know, and I understand for a lot of people out there that, that, that are facing this, you know, time and time again, you know, that it is, is becoming, you know, harder and harder each time we go through this. Uh, all, all I can I can say from what I do and what what I do with the guys here is you know we've got to look at at what life is going to be like once this is done. This is this is a massive blip in the road for everyone. I mean, honestly, if you ask me, would I 
intentionally have chosen to open a restaurant uh, this time last year, knowing what I know now? Probably not, but we did. And then you've you've got to stick true to stay true to what you you've done, stay true to your core beliefs, and and look at what you're going to do at the other side of it. And because there will be another side, we we, we don't want it to take as as long as it's taking. And obviously, you know there are frustrations galore around there, you know, with with people that are not necessarily fo- putting the the right focus on what's important right now. Because every time someone steps out of what the requirements are for us as a country, it just delays us getting back to normal that little bit further. And that's, in the end of the day, I believe that's what we all want is to get back to normal as, as soon as we can. So it, it is frustrating, but I, I can assure you that, you know, we, we are looking towards what we are going to put out there, our Sunday series, um, our brunches, what we're going to be doing when we can and trying not to just live into the fact that it's it's inordinately frustrating to be sitting here um, talking to you on a day when we've got another two weeks ahead of us. But I promise you in those next two weeks, I'll do another three team building exercises with the uh, with, with the guy, with the guys here, and uh, part, you know, give as much information and much learnings as I've had over the thirty-five years that I've been doing this um, to to those people, so that they've got you know insight to take forward. Danny Meyer from Union Square Dining in in the US has a great great analogy. You know, service is is a monologue, and hospitality is a dialogue. And we're in the hospitality industry. So it's about communicating. It's about talking. It's about making sure that those around you are, are okay and they're, 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 they're doing okay and then trying to get them engaged as much as possible. So it's a challenge, but we face up to it and we, we have to keep moving forward because there's no real alternative to go backwards. <laughs> Love it. Well, Duncan, it's been really a pleasure to get a dose of your upbeat spirit and optimism and, yeah, the benefit of your uh, vast experience in the industry. Thank you so much for having a chat to Dirty Linen today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate it too. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This